Good morning. Do y'all, thank you, Zach. Do y'all think that the weather is confused in Montgomery, Alabama? I mean, just a few days ago, I was layered up, and yesterday in shorts and t-shirt, and I'm like, man, this, this is weird. Hey, but let me go ahead and tell you, don't put your coats up, because snow's coming sometime, okay? Or at least some cool weather. Uh, so, man, we're glad you're here today. We're in this series called Powerful Words, and kind of in the middle of this, I, I chose to camp out on a subject, a, a word that is profoundly impacting on all of us. It's called the word fear. So last weekend, I believe we had a video malfunction the last few weeks. We're having some software issues. So you can go to the podcast and you can listen to that. Uh, so you can catch up week one fear today, fear part two. Today, we're going to get, we're going to turn to a story that's familiar. It's in the book of first Samuel. So if you want to open your Bibles or uh, look at your phone and at first Samuel chapter 17 will be our text for scripture today. But I want to make some <coughs> some comments about this first. So listen, if you will, fear is definitely a part of the fabric of our living, of our everyday lives. And you understand that you, you sit in the hospital. You you've been there many times. You sit in the hospital with a friend or a family or a loved one and you're just concerned. You're you're trembling in fear because there seems to be an impending uncertain future, possibly. You're, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the police show up at your door for, you know, something to tell you. And like, wow, that's got fear in my life. There's, I've seen this a lot of times in our church over the years. There's been an unexpected, possibly divorce or interruption, or there's been a, an illness, or there's been a, a diagnosis. And, and, and the first emotion that seems to come there. Uh, it's fear. It just kind of grips your heart. There's been the death of a spouse. I mean, that could bring fear on you. There could be the loss of your livelihood, of your financial income, and that certainly creates fear and panic and anxiety. But one author said, fear has been described as a small trickle of doubt that flows through the mind until it wears such a great channel that all your thoughts now drain into it. You know, fear is just so gripping, so paralytic, if you will. It just, it, it affects all of us. And you could, somebody might say, you know, you are a fearful person. Somebody could say to you, you are a fearless person. And that's where we want to be as, as followers of Jesus. But the truth is, sometimes we're not. And what happens is we, we tend to find ourselves not functioning freely is God's created us to be. How many believe this morning that God has called you and me to freedom in His Son, Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. We sing about that. No longer slaves to fear. Uh, this morning, I almost had us do the video right before we ever started the service, and, and about 15 of you would have seen it. And, uh, and it, was a, it was that one about the, the song you heard on K-Love, the breakup song. Some of you are like, oh, I love it. So I was like, man, that's too girly. I don't like it. Anyway, and, and I started thinking this week about all the songs that I listen to in contemporary Christian music that deal with one theme. And guess what that theme is? Fear. I mean, I've just been amazed how many songs that I like today. And I'm thinking, is there a message here? Well, I think there is. How many believe that Christian music helps our soul be free? I do. I think, I, I think God created. How many think that the devil has all the good music? I don't. I mean, I think God has created music, and music fills our living room. It fills our sanctuary. It fills our hearts. It fills our cars. And fear is a big deal to God. The reason I know that is God addresses fear in mankind all through the Bible. Uh, <laughs> I know that the fear not is the most repeated commandment in all the word. 
Fear not. Just write that. That's just bonus. Fear not and circle it. That is a command that God repeats over and over to tell us that we don't have to be bound by our fear anymore. At least uh, <laughs> 366 fear nots for every day of the year, including leap year. How about that for God? You know, I, I thought it was kind of cool. You, you didn't think so much. Okay. So I, I would say this. Fear is a giant. I read a book a couple years ago when it first came out. I, I love this guy. He, he started the passion movement. They fill arenas with 50, 60, 70,000 college students. He's a profound writer, pastor, has a big church over in the Atlanta area. Now they have one in D.C. His name's Louis Giglio. I love Louis. Some of you know about Louis. He's, he's somebody that you want to listen to, you want to read. <laughs> but this is a book, and I've read a couple of his books, but this is my favorite. How many of you ever heard of this book here? Goliath Must Fall. It's a great read. I read it a couple years ago on some vacation time, and I just pulled it back out because I was thinking about this subject of fear, and I thought, you know, I remember a while back reading from Louis, and he, he addressed fear because he talked about how fear had even paralyzed him as a strong champion believer in Christ. And the story we look at today, fear gripped the Israelites. Fear held back the people of God. Then... And fear holds us back today. How many would agree with that statement? I mean, fear just has this overwhelming capacity, ability to nullify faith in our lives and keep us from being what we need to be. So fear not fills the scripture. And I know it can be a foothold. I know fear can demoralize you and me if, if we're not careful and it just goes against us. So fear and it doesn't always look like fear. I mean, but, and, and then fear also seems to manifest itself in anxiety, in nervous, nervousness. It seems to uh, manifest sometimes with stomach problems and health problems. It blinds us. It, here's what I know about fear. Fear steals our praise. I, I notice when y'all come in here and we begin to sing songs, and some songs resonate more with you than others. I understand that. But... It's one reason I chose to be a part of a praise and worship movement almost a quarter of a century ago. Because I knew fear, I had to throw off the things, the shackles that tend to bind me. How many of you tend to get freer when you come in this room because you put your focus on God and not your fears? Raise your hands high. Yeah, I mean, it should happen for every one of you. And some of you are like, yeah, yeah, man. So, Pastor, I don't sing, but I inhabit uh, the praises of others. I inhabit their praise. I receive from their worship. Their worship leaks over me. I go, that's good. But I would encourage you to take another step. Choose to put your worship on. Choose to worship God for yourself. Choose to enter into this great thing called corporate worship. See, this is the thing. I, I, online churches are cool and the teachings and all that. That's awesome. But let me tell you, yesterday, when there was an immediate need for Sheila, online doesn't cut it. Having a shepherd works, amen? When Chuck's mom died and I walked out of this room with him, holding him, crying with him, praying with him, I watched you praying and loving him and loving him and Cheryl this weekend and the days. The other day for Nancy, how I saw many of you come alongside her. Nancy, is that a good reason for something more than an online church? Amen. You're saying, man, you're kind of passionate about that because Jesus wired us to be in community. Okay, get off that because this is not the message. Okay, so the giant of fear will always taunt us, but I love this truth. 
But Jesus Christ has the ultimate power in our life and in his world. And Jesus, we need you. Because there's some fears that have maybe set themselves entrenched in here. And David, as we get there in the text in a few moments, he determined, he had confidence that God was bigger than the giant. And you and I have to come to the same decision if we want to be free. God, you are big. And I happen to be talking on this one giant this weekend and last weekend, the giant of fear. God, you are bigger than the fear that tries to control me and compel me and grip me and destroy me and rip me up and shred me and paralyze me. God, you are bigger. And so you see, this message applies to you in so many areas of your life because I don't know what you're fear is what you're uh, here it is I told you this about a year ago and it happened again this week and I thought I gotta pre I think next weekend I'm preaching on thankfulness thank the Lord I can't wait to see how God shows me on that one but this week I, I just got through preaching about fear I'm early in the week and I'm out walking and I'm doing my worship and there's this person that walks a dog and she always crosses the street and you know because you know she wanted to give me the you know, right way with the sidewalk and that's cool well, this week, one day, her son was walking the dog. No problem. And when I see a dog that I don't know, <clears throat> I tend to slide over here on the part of the sidewalk. And this young man decided he would get over on the grass by the mailboxes. I'm walking, just minding my business. Just, you know, having, I was probably talking, I don't know, to the Lord. I'm not crazy. And, and all of a sudden, demon dog jumps up in my face. Now, he stood this high on four legs. And he jumps up, and, and, and the poor teenager, I locked eyes with him, and he restrains the dog as he pulls the dog down. The dog is right here about to take a bite out of Pastor Keith. Oh, yeah. Fear gripped my heart. My heart palpitated like you wouldn't believe. I was messed up for the next 20 minutes on my walk. I really was. And then I started praising God. Then I started thanking God for my safety, and I just went, wow, this is, this is bizarre. And then I happened to flip on something real quick as I was getting out the door. And then I thought, what a wuss I was. There was a man, you might have seen it. A mountain lion attacked him, and he took the mountain lion out with his bare hands. And I thought, well, it was just a dog on a leash, you know, big deal, you know. But why not I tell you that? Because that fear was real. And so right now, and you see, I walk, I mean, I've walked thousands of miles now. Here's the deal. I now, in the back of my mind, if I'm not careful, there's a little fear for me to get my shoes on and get out walking. And guess who I've been running into almost every day? My fear, demon dog. <laughs> and let me tell you what pastor does. I go into warfare and I get way over here. Don't want to be near the dog. I, I, I don't know what it is about me and this dog. It's just, it, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, hey, you know, it'd be okay if they move them. Okay. All right, so here we go. Worry, stress, anxiety, despair, terror, they all are part of fear. And yet, I know that I can usher one simple name. It's too simplistic, but it's true. When I call on Jesus, Jesus, take away my fear of this. Fill in the blank. Jesus, drive the fear away from me that's trying to control me. Because, Holy Spirit, I know you want to control me. I know you want to center my life on Jesus. 
But Lord, if I'm not careful, I'll get centered on all kinds of other things and fear grips my heart and fear takes place and fear controls me. And God, you get no praise. So anyway, a great read. Some of you like to read. I understand. Some of you haven't read a book since high school. I understand. And even in high school, you didn't read a book. So I don't even know how you graduated. But, right, but anyway, but here it is. <laughs> fear must fall. Louis Giglio. Just a just a just a fun read. Uh, fear, though, just a couple quick points. It comes from our conditioning. We're, we're conditioned, though, even when we're young, to be fearful. And, like, you know, fear traffic, fear cars. They'll run over you and hurt your bodies and whatever. Fear comes from concealing, though. When you and I conceal our sin, fear takes root in our hearts. And fear tends to come up in the form of anxiety and those imperfections. And fear also comes from controlling when you and I possibly want to control everything and we can't, fear can come. So this morning, God just wants to help you and I to submit our fears to him and to press on in faith. So fear paralyzes. I think I said this last weekend. Fear paralyzes. Faith mobilizes. Write that down. It's not going to come on the screen. Fear paralyzes us, but faith mobilizes us for the journey in Christ. And so that's what I'm praying. We're going to get greater faith as a faith community, as a faith family, as a church of the living Christ. Dr. Gregory Burns of Emory University is a neuroscientist, and he, he studies the human brain and how it reacts to certain situations. In 2008, he had a study that says how the human mind reacts to fear. And it was an article to the New York Times. Dr. Burns said, the most concrete thing that neuroscience tells us is that when the fear system of the brain is active, exploratory activity and risk-taking are turned off in the brain. Exploratory activity, risk-taking are two things that sound like something to me as a believer. What's it called? Faith. When fear takes root in our brain, faith seems to diminish or to leave. It's amazing how this neuroscientist, with all his studies and his understanding, how he discovered that. But I think the Word of God has been teaching that for centuries, that God always wants faith to be paramount in our life and in, 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 in exploring, uh, exploratory activity, risk taking audacious over-the-top faith how much faith do you have this morning church I you know I got mediocre I've got no faith I've got a loss of faith I've got a healthy faith I've got an amazing faith my wife and I watched a movie just a couple of nights ago I think the film is called Mully anybody ever heard of the film Mully it's an amazing film about this uh, guy in Kenya in Nairobi and he takes on an orphanage, but he grows up. I don't want to give the story away, but basically he ends up fathering 12,000 orphans in about five different places. Just an amazing story of faith. And I like to watch films like that sometimes because it shows me the power of faith of somebody that trusts God for so much more. And they do these ridiculous things. How many of you want to do something ridiculous in your life for God? Okay, well, about 30 of you. Man, that's awesome. And the rest of you are like, no, I don't want to do anything too ridiculous or too crazy. I mean, when it's all said and done, wouldn't you love, wouldn't you love to die? No, wouldn't you love 
at your service that somebody said, Oh, this woman, oh, this boy, this guy, their faith was astounding. It stunned me. Let me tell you what Christ did in and through their life. Their faith did this. Man, those are great stories. And I think God wants to write those stories all through our congregation, all through our hearts. But fear will always prevent us from ever having those kind of stories. I know that following God can be risky business. Following God means to dream. It means to dream big. And I might even talk about dreaming one day and vision, but that's not today. Let's, let's keep going. So Peter experienced fear when he stood by the fire when Jesus was being tried. Remember? Remember he was a coward. He was trying to warm himself. And they said, you know, oh, no, I don't know him. And he shrunk back, and then later he becomes the great builder of the church. And I don't know about you and I, we, we, I like that God puts honest characters in the Scripture that are full of human tragedies and errors and mistakes, and they're like me and you. And we can learn from their life, but I always love it when God redeems their story, and he gives them a story of faith, and then we read about them. So, Lord, we want to experience you. Giants, listen to this, the problems, pressures, pains, and persecutions that you and I have to face from time to time. So this morning is kind of a message of giants and fears, and the big fear that I wanna, I'm going to get to is, or the big giant is fear, but I'm just saying giants come in all sizes, and nobody in this room is exempt from a giant to paralyze you, to, to conquer you. And I think I've set it up, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. <laughs> one of the stories that you got when you were a little boy or a little girl. I grew up in a non-Christian home. We had one of those Bibles that weighed about 75 pounds that sat on the coffee table in the living room. I mean, I ain't lying. I mean, man, when, when you weigh about 37 pounds and you go in there, I tried to pick it up one day, and I remember my mom, no, no, don't pick it up. If you drop it, it's going to, like, crash the glass table. You know, like, yeah, you know. And, you know, it, you know, it was written in King James, and I couldn't I, And then when I started reading, I'm like, man, this makes no sense to me. And, and nobody in my family at that time was of faith, so nobody, like, read it to me. I didn't have a children's Bible. But, but I still remember hearing that story. Of course, my grandkids, they've heard it so many times, and you've heard it, and but let's go back to an ancient text this morning, as we're in the habit of doing. There it is in the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped. And in verse 3, so the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on the opposite hills with a valley between them. And then verse 4, verse 4, here's a stinking giant shows up. His name is... Goliath. Man, what a name. A Philistine champion from... Gath. And he comes, he came at the, out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel, and he was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds, and talks about his armor and his spear. And I want to show you a picture of, of, of this guy. Look at that dude. Now, he is not Goliath. He is not nine foot tall and monstrous. Matter of fact, in my opinion, he needs to hit the weight room. But he's seven foot seven inches tall. <clears throat> Played for, for, for the Warriors. And I read some, I did some study, I got real interested. Guess how old he was? They did not know when he was born. His coach made up a birthday and gave it to him. Later on, they determined he might have been the oldest player to ever play in the NBA. He might have been 50 years old. Yeah. 
Seven foot seven. Look at him. That's a big man, isn't it? Now, let's look at the next one. My man, Shaq. Just a mere seven foot one inch. I think I read he has a shoe size 22. But he's a specimen of a man, isn't he? Seven one, seven seven. I read to you in the Bible, Goliath was how big? Nine foot tall. Heavy spear. I mean, can, can you turn to the person next to you and say, intimidated? Yeah, I'd be intimidated. I mean, I, I walk in places and people, I remember when we used to have Coach Davis here and all the basketball players and stuff, and we would have a uh, day for them to come. And it was so funny because Donna and I would go out and watch them on Saturdays, and then they would come to our church and they'd have makeup on and they have heels and they looked so different than they did on the basketball court. And then what really got me was the girls that were really tall wore heels and they just walked in. I went, hi. I mean, it was so funny. They were taller than everybody in the room. And then you, you've been around these people that are really big, and you're just intimidated. Well, that's what Goliath, that was one of his things. He was just bigger than anybody. He, he intimidated. But a giant is anything, listen, write this down. A giant is anything that distracts yours and mine's focus from God. A giant is something that distracts my focus from him. And that, that focus today, that giant today, is fear. And like, Lord, we want you to drive it far from our heart. But the Philistines chose to send out the champion named Goliath. Like, that was really hard. Hey, Goliath, you eat more than anybody. You're bigger than anybody. You're intimidating. You're louder than anybody. You taunt everybody. Goliath, you're first. So he comes out in the scripture, and that's what we see. And so it's a, it's, so fill in the first blank. It's a description of Goliath, and you read it there in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and you see this uh, just uh, tremendous statue of, of a man, of, of how huge he is. All right, this, verse 8, let's move on down here. <laughs> so he carries his shield. Here. Verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. And if he kills me, then we will be your slaves. Now, here's what I want you to write in. Defiant, defiant was the man Goliath. Anybody come to defy me? He was so full of himself. Now, I bet it was easy to be full of himself because I'm sure he won all the arm wrestling championships, any kind of championship, weightlifting, powerlifting, whatever. I mean, Goliath was just the man. I mean, he was just powerful. But he was so focused on himself, so focused on his flesh, so focused on that he was in control. And, and, and the, the lesson that we learn really in this section today is, you and I have to learn to confront our giants. And the giant was fear. There was fear in all the land. None of the people. The Bible says for 40 days, this stinking giant named Goliath would come out and he would defy the people. He would come against them. All right, let's move down to verse 16. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. <laughs> now, folks... 40 days. Hold on. Excuse me. All right, 40 days. That's a long time. That's a habit. That would send fear in anybody's heart. But I got good news. On the 41st day, 
not the 40th, not the 37th, on the 41st day, guess what happened? Little skinny boy named David came out and faced the giant on the 41st day. So there's something that I see for you and me. You're in your battle with fear. It's year 41. It's day 41. It's the 41st month. It's the 41st hour. I don't know. But you can come out. 40 was long enough. 40 days had held these people captive as he would come out and he would taunt. And he would go against the people and nobody could defeat this big man. So I learned the principle. We have to courageously in faith fight our giants, face our giants. David would say to you and me this morning, the giant's got to go down. He's going down. He's got to go down. He, he cannot taunt my living God. So look at, uh, so verse 16, demands of Goliath. He puts these demands on the people. So he asks them, hey, y'all send somebody out to fight me. Y'all send somebody out to come against me. But he taunts the people. And so this, this great description and this defiant of who he is, but these demands of Goliath, every stinking day, he taunts, he screams, he intimidates. Do you see the parallel? Does fear not do that? Does fear take a day off in your life? No. I don't, know, I don't care what your fear is this morning. The truth is, right now, everybody could write down a fear. Maybe multiple fears. And that fear has defined you long enough. And today, I think by the Spirit of Christ, the Lord wants to break you free from your fear. How many believe that today? That fear has held you captive. That fear has held you back. That fear has kept you from letting us see the potential you have in Jesus Christ. So the demands of Goliath as he comes out and he shouts all his garbage. And all the people swallow the threats of Goliath. And Satan, to me, it's really a picture of Satan. All these threats and all this arsenal and all this baggage and all this stuff that comes from the throne of darkness comes to defy us, to, to, to push us down. And God is for us. If God is for us, who be against us? That's what Romans are. And so Goliath is the champion. He's Superman. He's a, a mighty man. He's arrogant. He's defiant. He's rebellious against, of all things against God. And that's what fear does for us. It makes us rebellious. We, we, we don't trust Christ. We don't, we don't trust God. We don't trust God for the healing. We don't trust God for wholeness. We don't trust God for the, the breakthrough in our life. And so, so God has that for us. And here he is standing and shouting over God's chosen people. And yet there's one. His name is David. We know that he will become the anointed king. He will be the appointed one. He, he presents himself and Saul goes, okay. So you can go. So he gets appointed to go and face. And it's, so it's a tough story. But look at verse 17 and 18. I want you to go back up to that. <laughs> One day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give the ten cuts of cheese to their captain and see how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. Now, you know what I wrote in my notes as I was just going through this? They think David is nothing more than a delivery boy. For his brothers. Uh, David, you peak squeak, you can't even be in the army, man. You're, go to, son, just go down there. Feed your brothers. Take care of them. So he goes down there. And you're thinking, man, this probably ain't going to end up too good. So he, so he goes down there. But, but what's a, what I find is interesting, so he's appointed. He, he's allowed to go. He wants to confront uh, Goliath, if you will. 
But let me, let me pause for a minute. This morning, somewhere, as you're hearing this message, I want you to write down today what your giant is. And I want you to learn to confront that in the Spirit of Christ. But move on here. because So you see this. And then verse 28, jump all the way down there. I, I, this is powerful. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. You know what I wrote down the word? Demeaning. Demeaning was a comment of Eliab. And that's what fear does. It, it, it devalues you and me. It demeans our essence, our, our value. You know what God says? God says you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made in his image by faith. Jeremy sang it. We're no longer slaves of fear. What a great song. And what did it say? We are what? The children of God. Man, we're victorious. We're, I like where Scripture tells us we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. We're overcomers in Him. So I encourage you in that. But David uses the phrase in this section, if you read it all in context, the uncircumcised Philistine is who Goliath is. In other words, he's going, Goliath, you don't even belong to a covenant people of Israel. I'm going to call you for who you are. Your voice has screamed and has been loud enough for way too long. But I come in the name of the Lord my God. He's powerful. It seems that Goliath is unstoppable. There's no way anybody could take him out. But David knows better. When I show you those pictures of those basketball, how many of you would like to get those two guys on any pickup basketball team? Do you think you could win? <laughs> yeah. I know Blake will have teenagers out here, and some of them think they got game, and some of them got game, and all that, and they're all doing all kind of windmills and stuff, and they're really some great basketball. Some of them have won a lot of championships that come out here. They're, they're really good. But I tell you what, if Blake and I show up with uh, Shaq next week, game over. Game over. You're saying, I've seen Blake play basketball, and I heard you're even worse. That's right. I used to have game. I don't have game. I know I don't have game. But you know what? All Blake and I got to do is just feed it to Shaq. Shaq. Slam them. And when they come in, give them a little elbow, baby. Boom! Down! And if he ain't enough, I'll go get Charles Barkley so he can run his mouth and talk garbage out there the whole time, okay? I mean, we, we, we can take it out, but that giant would just intimidate boys and college kids or whatever. Well, that's what happened here. Goliath just talks his trash, and man, he's on and on, and that giant is demeaning. O.S. Hawkins said, A problem is a platform upon which God desires to show how wonderful he can provide. God you can provide. And God provided for David. No. God will provide for you and me. I believe that. Do you? He will. He provided for the feeding of the 5,000. He provided over and over in Scripture. He's provided in your daily life as He sustained you. But the giant that you're facing is not the problem. The giant of fear that you and I are facing is an opportunity to trust Christ more. Jesus, I, I need more of you. I need you to increase in my life this week, this day. I want to magnify your name, Jesus. You are bigger. Those basketball players on the screens, they, they look big. But God, you consume the universe. You are creator. You are redeemer. You are strong. You are strength. You are sovereign. You rule over all. Is that our God, church? That's our God. God, you're so much bigger than my fear, so I can run to you. But, you know, King Saul, he wanted to <laughs> dominate David. 
And David wouldn't bow to him and want to be undermanded by this man. He, he wanted God to be exalted in his life. So there's this delivery, this is demeaning. Verses 35 through 37, move down there. In verse 28, let me go. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded? What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? See all that trash talk you're talking about. Go back there and take care of the sheep. Hey, just get us, hey, next time you come, bring some, bring some pepper jack cheese, okay? This is the wrong cheese. You brought the long, I mean, I, I, I know, I, I read into the text, okay? But I, I think they were probably talking trash. You know, it's just, it's obvious. So don't worry Verse 32, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul, I'll go fight him. I love that. Where David goes, I'll go and fight this guy. And everybody's like, man, we've looked at you. You're a runt. You're a little boy. Your, your brothers are scared. The 40 days that he came out and taunted everybody, they all ran. But not David. Because when he showed up that day and he heard all this stuff, he couldn't stand here having this guy defied, going against him. So he, David listened to all the reasons why they couldn't go face the giant. And you and I, when fear comes against you and I, we can listen to all the reasons why we can't make any progress, why we can't change, why we can't go with God. But today we could be different. I think we should have a spiritual filing cabinet if we would. A physical filing cabinet. Like, some of you are like, what is that? Well, I've got a bunch of them back in my office with hard copies, but also have all my computers and all that laptop and you know, iPad or whatever, and it's got files on it. It's got folders. But, but listen to this. I like this. And you need, a, you, need, you need a B file. And the B file would be for the bear. And David goes, you know what? I defeated the bear in the name of my God. You need, you need an L file. You know what? I had the strength to defeat a lion. You, you need different files here when you come and, and, and to go back and you see the faithfulness of God. You see how he's provided. There's nothing to fear. You need the H file. The, the hurt that you felt. But God, you, you're my healing. God, I trust you. You need an F file. Lord, failure has gripped my life. But God, failure doesn't have to define my life for the rest of my days. You need a C file. God has saved your child. God has delivered your child from that sickness or from death or whatever, or tragic situation, and he can be praised. You need a defile. There's deep depression that is set in, and it is time for that to have to move, and you can be delivered from God. How many believe God can deliver depressed people this morning? You say, no, my defiles are discouraged. I've been so discouraged and I'm bound up and I, I just can't go on. You can. God can give you encouragement. Some of you are like, no, I'm camping out in the P-file. The peace for all the problems I got. I got so many problems, brother. I'm just so fearful. Pastor, I'm just going to stay at home. I ain't coming on Sunday morning because I got problems. I think you ought to be on the front row. I think, I think you ought to run to the house. of the, They said they were glad when they went to the house. No, it says they were glad when they went to Moe's. I mean, what the scripture says. You know, you know, when you go walking in Moe's, welcome to Moe's. Everybody gets all jacked up. Man, ah. You know, we all do that Christ community. Welcome to church. Man, I just came to me. Susan, y'all to try that sometime. Welcome to church. You know, whatever. Everybody, well, welcome to church. But you know what? But when I go in Moe's, and, and I haven't been eating there. Yesterday I went, first time in like forever. And, and God, it was just fun. We used to do it every week. But, but I went in there, and as soon as I walk in, my friend, I've been sharing Christ with this guy for years, and I want to see him know Jesus. He's the manager. But I walk in, and as soon as he saw me, I walk through the door, his eyes locked with me. And he goes, welcome to Moe's. I'm home, baby. I was jacked. You're saying, 
You had a burrito. You got that excited? I did because I ain't had a burrito in a long time. It was really good, you know? But how about here? You come and you get the spiritual food of God. You go, welcome to church. And the church said, come on, trying to jack you up, man, trying to get us, man. We got... The other day we had this place packed with chairs and then we had to put them up. All these chairs in the back row and upstairs. I wish we would pack this place out again for Jesus. How about you? Well, let's do it, church. Come on, let's clap. Let's praise God. Let's do something about it. Okay, all 18 of you, come on, let's do something. The rest of you are like, well, I don't know, man. Somebody's like, well, don't have my chair. I'll buy you a new chair, okay? Don't worry about it. Matter of fact, I wish we had so many people, you didn't even have a chair. That'd be awesome. Like, I had to stand up all morning. I'll go out and buy you lounge chairs, okay? I mean, if we could pack this place, we'll go get lazy. No, I, I did not say that. We ain't doing that. Somebody, oh, I want to go to that church. I know enough lazy people. All right, here we go. All right, so on the 41st day, here, move down here, verse 35 through 37. Got to get there. Got to get, oh, my goodness, man. Oh, I realize it's getting late. And, oh, man, I'm having too much fun with this story. Here, let's just fill it in. Dependent on the God who rescues, that's what he was. He was dependent on the God who rescues. Verse 45, there's a declaration of the warrior. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, Israel, who you have defied. Powerful, dependent, declaration. In our fear, you and I have to make declarations. And then 49 through 51, there's a decisive victory of King David. He takes out the slingshot. He loads it with the rock. Maybe the other rocks were for his other sons. And he takes that one rock and he, pew, and he lets it go. And it, pew, right in the forehead. No, Phila, no uh, Philistine giant, nine foot, full of himself, taunting. He didn't taunt no more. He, boom, face planted. And then the Bible gets gruesome. You're saying, the Bible's just full of like little sweet things. No, it ain't either. He went over here and cut his head off. Man, that's pretty gruesome. And he got the, the kids are gone now, right? There should be anyway. And he, and he cuts his head off. And then, this is weird to me, takes the head and walks around with it. Going, I'm bad, I'm bad. No, that's not what he was doing. He's like, my God's great. My God has defied this giant. Did anybody get any truth this morning that might help you for the battle, the giant in your life to overcome through the power of Christ? Anybody get any help? I hope so. That, that's the thing. So David faces Goliath in the name of the Lord, his God. And he brings comfort and encouragement. Proverbs 18.10, write it down. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Lord, we need you. We need to make declarations of faith. And there's this decisive victory. Middle of the page, get there. Giants represent anything which is opposed to God. Anything that which is opposed to God. Team, come now because I, I want to get you for this powerful closing song. But giants represent those things that are opposed to God. Those things, let me just give you giants as they're coming. The giant of resentment, the giant of fear, the giant of loneliness, the giant of discouragement, jealousy, depression, hopelessness, bitterness, pride, selfishness, doubt. All those things are giant that try, that try to hold us back. But in faith, you and I can conquer our giant. And in this little mini-series inside a series, I pray that we will choose to conquer the giant of 
fear. Look at the two kingdom truths, because if I don't fill in these blanks, you'll be mad at me. The little battles in our life are getting us ready for the big battles we're going to face. David fought little battles with the lion and the bear that he might pursue God and fight the big battle with Goliath. Secondly, private victories are preparing us for public victories. Private little battles are preparing you and I for the bigger stage called life, for the public victories of our God. And there's one line that I forgot to put on there, but it's going to come up. I, I somehow left it off here, okay? Faith has always been and always will be the antidote to fear. If you want to overcome fear, you got to have some faith. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for your presence, for the power of the written word. God, thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells in the hearts of believers. Make us overcomers more than conquerors through Christ who first loved us. Lord, in Jesus' name, slay our giants. And until we meet again, give us grace and strength. And the family of God said, Amen. Amen.